welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc., Voices Are Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guest, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Well, hello, this is Kristen Sparks, and I am your host of Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? And I am so excited today. I have my good friend, Gal Dillon, from the state of Washington, so far away from me on the opposite side of the world. <laughs> no kidding. Right? About as far away as we could get unless I moved to the Keys. And even then, they're, you know, only a few miles away from me as the crow flies. <laughs> oh, Gail, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. You are such an inspirational person and we have had such great conversations with, you know, the training at Canfield and then afterwards with, you know, some issues with my own personal life and you have just been absolutely fabulous. And I really thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for, you know, you being here to this. I just, I am honored that you asked. So thank you. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Gail is a minister and she has been a recovering alcoholic for 20 years. That's 20 years this year. Amazing. Her company or organization is messed up to blessed up, which is just absolutely fabulous. I love this name, you know, and you have been on an incredible path over your life. You have definitely gone through some of the trauma and dramas that we all have, but you have had way more than your fair share. I would have to say, and I am, I'm in, I'm at awed by your strength and your courage and your endurance you know, so, wow. Definitely. Tell us a little bit about your journey. My journey, as far back as I can remember, I never felt like I belonged. And I think a lot of people with different types of addiction, that seems to be a common thread. I never felt like I belonged. And so what happened was I grew up in a very, very small town. And when I was in fourth grade, this um, girl moved in from, I don't know where they moved in from, but we became best friends immediately. Have you ever had those people you just meet, like you and I met, and it was just like right away we knew we liked each other. 
Yeah. And so we went, uh, you know, we hung out 24 seven as much as we could considering, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, as much as your parents would allow at that time. We were just constantly going everywhere together. And in between our eighth grade and freshman year of high school, she came to a place on the ocean with me and my family, my aunts and my cousins. We'd always go to ocean shores every single summer. And she was invited along. And we did this. And I had on this crazy blouse that was way, way loud, like nobody else on the beach would have had one. And so we, these two boys came up on little dirt bikes and said, do you want to climb on and go for rides? So we each climbed on behind one and they took us out in the water and back. And it was so much fun. And we went right by my mom and my aunts as they were walking on the beach. And so we were like immediately got to get off, got to get off and, you know, ran back to the hotel. And then, you know, when you're nervous, what do you do? Well, me, at least I eat. So we're, we're like... Shove it. I just remember it was raisin bread. I don't think I've ever eaten so much raisin bread <laughs> in my life. And, and then my mom walks in and all she says is, so there's a girl down at the beach that has your blouse on. That's all, you know, it was like, I saw you. I know what you were doing. And I just lead up to that because it was such a fun, comical memory and then that freshman year of high school, my friend got leukemia. Her name was Cass Ross. And at that time, leukemia was just one of those things that you got, you know, we've gotten much, much better at learning how to manage it and people surviving. Back then, it was not so common. And when she went to her doctor, his belief was and shared with Cass's mother, who then shared with my mother and I overheard that he believes cancer as a disease lives in all of our bodies. And sometimes it just takes a shock to the system to activate it. And so in my mind, I went ice cold ocean water, leukemia. I caused my best friend to get cancer. Yeah. So that's how this whole messed up portion of my life. That was kind of the beginning of that journey. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. At 15, it's so easy to think that we can do things like that, that we can cause things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I asked you before we started, if you would give us a blessing And if you would go ahead and do that now, I think that would be amazing. I would love to do that. And so if you want to close your eyes, just you and me, but um, just take a breath in. And as we take that breath in, we ground into that one life, that one life that is God or whatever you choose to call it that thing itself that is over us, around us, through us, as us. It is all things everywhere. And so knowing that, I know that it exists in in and through and as Kristen, in through and as me. We are part of that magnificent whole. There is no separation. There is no one and the other. There is just one. 
And so knowing that and looking out at the world from that place of this deep, deep knowing and connection, then I know today, like every day, this moment, this time that we are connecting heart to heart, soul to soul, mind to mind, even though we're 3000 plus miles apart, it is like we're sitting in the same room together. That one heart beats my heart, beats Kristen's heart. That one mind gives us both thoughts and courage to speak our truths. It is that that brings us together. That knowingness, that unconditional love. Knowing that we are looking out through the eyes of God and knowing that God's eyes are looking back at us. And so I give such great, great thanks for this opportunity to play, to have a conversation about what is, what's my experience, what's Kristen's experience, what's life like when we choose to just claim it and be it and own it. So I release all of these words knowing that as it is spoken, it is done today is perfect. This podcast is perfect. The audience is perfect. Everything unfolds with ease, with grace, with wonder and delight. And so it is. Oh, that was absolutely. Wow. I could feel that. Uh, thanks. Oh, yeah. You are just, you know, you really, truly are amazing. I am. I have had you know, a multitude of traumas and dramas in my life. And we get through them and we look back at them and we decide, we make the choice. What am I going to do with what I've learned from this challenge? What am I going to do? Am I going to wallow in my pain Am I going to allow it to just wash over me like a wave and choose to be joyous in gratitude and grace? And that is what you do. You know, I, it, (laughs) everybody needs to know Gail. (laughs) Everybody needs to know Gail. You are, um, like I said, you're just an inspiration and you, you really touch me. You touch me deeply and soul deeply. And that is not always an easy thing to do, you know, and you're right. You do meet certain people sometimes that you just, that click, you know, and then there, it, I don't even know. It's, it's magical. It's absolutely magical. And I am blessed to add so many of these people in my life and, and uh, Gail is one of them. One of the things that I like to ask my guests is, what do you think is holding us back from living our best life? Hmm. Such a big question, because there's so many different ways I could go with that. And I think the biggest thing that holds us back is our mind, our conscious mind, our mind that says, Uh, I call it the monkey mind. So I forget if it was a Saturday night live skit. Somebody had just mentioned it recently where they have the, the little 
devil on one side saying, you don't want to do that. And then the little angel on the other, you can do this. And I think we are so steeped in concern about what other people think about us because it's how we're raised, right? Or at least how I was raised. And it's not our parents' fault. It was how they were raised. I mean, it's handed down generationally. You have to put up a good front. You have to put on a good face. What goes on behind closed doors is private. Nobody should need to know. Well, then what happens is we start to shut down little pieces of ourselves, right? I remember growing up, my mother always telling me, you need to act like a lady. And I knew what she meant when she said that, you know, is because my mom was kind of prim and proper. And I was this, you know, and she didn't know how to handle me. I mean, she tells a story that when I was about two, I used to suck my thumb so hard that I disfigured the top of my mouth. And she took me to an orthodontist when I was two. And he said, you know, you're going to have to put fuzzy mittens on her hand and hot sauce on, you know, rubber band, hot sauce on the end. And um, a couple times of that, and she'll stop. And she said, we were walking out and she had a hold of my hand. And I looked up at her and I took my little hand and went like this, like, don't touch me. And I looked up at her and I said, I am not going to wear a glove and I will never suck my thumb again. And both was true. However, that little girl that knew she owned the world, she could do anything she wanted, people started to pick away at that. And so I think, to answer your question, I think we all have this God-given talent that doesn't look like anybody else's. Even if you and I were doing exactly the same thing, it would look different because you're me and I'm you and you're in Florida and I'm in Washington and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And our stories are different, right? We were raised differently. But we start doubting that we have this thing to share with the world. And if we don't share it, the world's going to miss out. And I think everybody, I know this is, you know, this audience is women and yet it's everybody. I think that men put up a bigger, you know, tough thing like they don't need anybody. But I think we all suffer from what I like to call the monkey mind. I would agree with you. Shit we made up. <laughs> right? Sorry. No. Yeah, to you're allowed okay. to say shit. <laughs> okay. It's okay. Yeah, shit we made up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you know, we're kind of like programmed as we are growing up to forget about that little girl who is willing to just be herself, you know, and we go on this, this journey of trying to find her again as we get older and coming back to the monkey mind, I call that the super ego, but you know, it doesn't matter what you call it. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tomato, tomato, it's all the same. Yeah. And we just begin to tell ourselves these stories that because blah, 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 we're not, we're not good enough. 
because we did this, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We should feel the guilt, you know, oh my God, how could you do that? You know, and it just permeates everything that we do until we finally get to a point. For me, it was being, you know, smacked a couple of times by the universe going, you're not listening. (laughs) (laughs) Two by four. Right. Absolutely. A two by four. And, you know, sometimes we need those two by fours and sometimes we don't. But for most of us, doubting and living in shame and guilt are our biggest issues, you know, doubting ourselves. Well, yeah. And, you know, they say the subconscious mind is programmed to keep us safe. That's its job. And so if we, you know, as a child, I think now, God, the damage I did to this poor little third grader who was in my class with me and he wet his pants, right? And I stood up and loudly said to the whole class, so-and-so's wet his pants. Like it was my job to tell people, right? But you think about how, and I don't know how he's doing. He's probably doing fine. Um, <laughs> I'll have to reach out and find out. Yeah. Uh, but you think about, he could now be afraid to speak in public. He could be afraid, you know, there could, there could be all kinds of things just from that one instance where his subconscious mind goes, it's not safe to be around bratty little girl, <laughs> you know, it's right. not safe to be. Yeah. I hope that's where he filed it. I really do. Cause then it would be like, you'd grow out of it, but you don't know what our little minds when things happen and our subconscious mind goes, okay, that's not safe. You're not doing that again. Right. And so, yeah. I, so that's another thing that stops us. It does. It absolutely does. We sit in this fear base of, Sometimes it's based on on those conversations we overhear adults having, and we think it's our fault that we did something. You know, mine was was my mom going catatonic and then ending up in a mental institute, and I thoroughly thought that was me. You know, it was because I got angry at her and and you know I yelled at her, and so it was my fault. And you know, you you live with these things, but you don't process them like you do as an adult, because your, your brain just doesn't work the same way. You know, a juvenile brain is not mature enough until age 25 to actually process what has happened to them. And so we stuff this little child inside of us, and it's all of us, male and female, you know, we stuff this little child inside of us, and then we just ignore or him. And we go about, you know, partying, college, whatever. And all of a sudden we realize, wow, we're kind of (laughs) damaged. We need to kind of fix that. And so we use different ways of doing that. For me, it was a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, a lot of, you know, God knows what. And, you know, I could have just as easily been a drug addict and an alcoholic as I was, you know, being whatever I ended up being. And I'm just as doubtful at times. I want to crawl under the desk at times, you know, but you have to go back and and give that little person a lot of credit for getting up every day 
and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Even though it was messy, because I don't know about you, but my mine was messy and it was messy for a long time. And it's interesting because somebody had, because I, I chose very abusive husbands initially until I got clean and sober. And everybody talks about, you know, they were raised in an abusive household or, you know, and I was like, no, I was in an abusive relationship, I believe, because subconsciously I felt I needed to be to be punished. You know, I had killed my best friend and I didn't go around going, oh, I, I want to have a relationship with you. So you'll beat the shit out of me because I need to be punished because I I believe I killed my best friend. None of that was conscious. But I honestly, honestly believe that was happening in my life. I can completely concur with that. Absolutely. You know, I, I definitely married my ex-husband as a punishment. The signs were so there, you know, but, you know, there's that other part of me that believes thoroughly that I choose my challenges prior to coming. And each challenge is a lesson that I have wanted to learn. And so even the marriages that were abusive and definitely not right for us, were lessons to learn in love, self-care, growing up, all kinds of things, you know. And for me, I, I believe that part of it was I needed him to father my three children. You know, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. I That's just, you know, yeah. what I needed. So, And they're great kids. Or what they and, needed. Right. Oh, they definitely needed yeah. that, you know. It was it. They wouldn't be who they are now, that's for sure. And I needed my grandkids, and they wouldn't be the same grandkids. So, <laughs> you know, it's all, there's reasons for all of it, whether, you know, we've procreated, not procreated, the lessons that we've needed to learn in our life, in our spiritual side, in spirit. So, yeah, they're, they're not always easy. And nobody, I think, anywhere said that life was easy, but it sure is worth living every single day, you know? And I would, you know, people have said, would you go back and change that? And I'm like, I don't know, because you can't go back. I'm just grateful that I have all of those lessons to be the person I am today. And because of all those lessons, then, you know, I can help women who struggle with any kind of addiction or abusive relationship because I've been there. And I know that a lot of times, for me anyway, you know, there's two kinds of people you can go to when you start to dig your way out. There are people that have studied and know all of the answers because and good for them. And then there's people who get the credentials, but it's their life experiences that they're going to bring to the table. And, you know, that is me. I've, I've got a, I've got different certificates now, but the value I bring to the table is my life experience because, you know, there's a, I did not use a 12 step program to get clean and sober, but I do remember the first I was in at one time, a 12 step program, and they have a step where the fourth step. And when I 
threw up all over the person and thought, oh my God, they're going to think I'm, you know, this and that. And, and they looked at me and said, seriously, that's all you got. And it was like, oh my, it was the biggest gift somebody could give me. Like, seriously, really? So, um, yeah. That's amazing. I think that the school of hard knocks is what I call it. <laughs> I definitely have gone through the school of hard knocks. I have, you know, some credentials, but for the most part, it is what my life experience has been. And I really think that sometimes you have to live it to teach it, to give it, and to understand, you know, the choices that we have the ability to make now that we know, because once you know, you can't unknow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, try to forget, take 100% responsibility for your life. Go ahead, try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one never goes away, does it? And it's it, that, that one's a lesson every day. <laughs> every single day. Oh, my goodness. Every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I'll never forget the time. And I think I was fairly new to being clean and sober. I was fairly new to the, um, I use the philosophy that I'm a minister in to, um, to get clean and sober, but I was doing a retreat with a friend and I was out having lunch with one of the participants and, uh, she told me about the four agreements and it was the first time I'd ever heard about the book. So I'm asking her all these questions and I'm like, oh, how do you remember? And she looked at me and she said, Oh, for God's sake, Gail, there's only four. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right? <laughs> this four, that's all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a whole lot easier than what is there, 67 success principles? You know? I think so. <laughs> Something yeah, like I that. So. Yeah. I just keep the book as close as possible. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah. If I need to know one, I'll flip through it. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's funny. What is the background that you have as a the minister? Philosophy. The philosophy. Thank you. Yes. Well, I call it a philosophy. It's called, it, well, okay, this is kind of kludgy, so I'm going to talk slowly so people can follow along. It started out being called religious science, and it was founded in the early 1900s by a gentleman named Ernest Holmes, and his whole, when he first started, his whole idea was, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something, you know, he feels every religion out there, all of them teach us that there's something bigger than ourselves that we should surrender to. And so his philosophy was kind of like, go wherever you want to go on Sundays. And then let's get together, all of us, regardless of where you practice, let's get together on Wednesdays. And let's talk about how do we take what we've learned and practice it together as humanity. And then because he was so good at what he did and so profound in his speaking, people are like, you know, you, you need to, people are going to want to come to hear you. You need to have a church. You need to train people how to do this. And so his book is called the science of mind. And, um, and so I would say that, and now we're called Centers for Spiritual Living. That's why I said it's a little kludgy. 
So Centers for Spiritual Living, I would say, would be the umbrella like I'm Christian. Religious science would be one of the legs under that because New Thought is a very American religious belief. It was started here. There's there's religious science, there's unity, there's divine science. So there's all these different American religions. And then science of mind would be like our Bible, what we read, what we follow, what we teach from. However, because of his philosophy, we can use any, you know, I can use the Bible. I can use the four agreements. I, you know, you bring in all kinds of different wisdom. So it's, um, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 So that's it. And I use that to get clean and sober. I can see. Yeah. Yeah. I can see. Oh, I would love to hear you preach sometime. I'll bet that is absolutely. I would love that too. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you have a church there where you are? I did have, not where I am now. When I live, so in 2010, I graduated from ministerial school and I started a church in Santa Fe, New Mexico where we were living at the time called Everyday Center for Spiritual Living, and it's still going strong. And then in 2016, I, well, prior to that, but by 2016, I wanted to come home and Washington is where I was born and raised. And so I candidated for a church and was chosen up in the Seattle area called Genesis Center for Spiritual Living. And so I was there five and a half years. And then my soul was like, you need to be at the ocean. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, and I say, because, you know, I was born in a small town, but my whole idea when I lived in a small town was how do I get out? What's the biggest, fastest freeway out, you know, started the minute I could drive, never spent a weekend party in, in the small town and would drive to big cities around where I grew up and spent my whole life. You know, when I moved to Santa Fe and they said Santa Fe is a small town, I'm like, it's got 78,000 people. That is, that's not a small town, (laughs) right? It's a small city, but it's not a small town. I now, so, and when I, the last place we lived was the fifth largest city in the state of Washington. I now live in a town with 1600 people. The county has 20,000, which is like maybe a quarter of or less than the town I left. And I'm two and a half hours away from a major city. However, it's the first time in my life I felt safe. You know, like my soul's just like, okay, yeah, we're home. That's amazing. So, um, So I don't have a church and I do. (laughs) I just started Practical Everyday Wisdom Centers for Spiritual Living, which is an online teaching center. And so I will be teaching Science of Mind classes. I'll be teaching the success principles. I will use that as an umbrella because I'm an ordained minister and I wanted to keep that practice. And then um, my plan is to speak wherever I'm, I'm invited to speak. Oh, that's amazing. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a church. Right. Cause you know, what I teach is can be across any. Yeah. 
venue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. You know, the pandemic has been such a, a blessing in some respects. It's really taught us. I Back in the 90s, mid to late 90s, I got into distance education and I worked with um, Nova Southeastern University. And back then, you know, we had had computers for maybe 10 years that we could like talk to each other on. You know, the internet wasn't a real big thing. And, you know, distance education was like, wow, you know, we, what the heck is that? And, you know, so we set up, we helped set up South Dakota's distance education program. And the governor there was very forward thinking, really understood the value of being able to teach children no matter where they were. And at the time, we still, you know, like I said, we didn't have the internet. So they were laying thousands and thousands of miles of fiber optics. And I don't even know what, but, you know, he was, he was a really, really smart man in the way that he, he set it up and did it. And he utilized the prison population that they have in South Dakota to lay this line teach them how to wire up schools and homes and all so that when they came out, they had a, yeah. I mean, he was really, really smart. He ended up having, um, oh, five years later after he was governor, DUI did some damage to himself and someone else, which just broke my heart, you know, because he was just such a great guy and really got it at the time, you know, we can all go through those struggles. Like I said, you know, the challenges we, there's lessons that we need to learn. But at the time, we didn't understand this. And then just this pandemic has blown it up, brought it home. And now we are a global society, truly. We've talked about being a global society and now we truly are a global society. I can talk to you. You're 3,000 miles away. I talked to a woman last night who was in New Zealand, you know, and it doesn't matter where we are. We can have these. And it's tomorrow there. Yeah, it was. It was Sunday night for me and Monday morning for her, you know, (laughs) worked out well. But we can have these amazing conversations and connections and it doesn't matter where we are. And we can have it with multiple people. And I've heard people talk about not having, you know, Zoom, you can't have a connection on and it's just like watching TV or whatever. And I'm like, you really aren't getting involved. I have made some of the most amazing friendships via Zoom in the last three years. I am just blessed, absolutely blessed for having had that. I have an assistant which I never thought I would have, but she is just, you know, she's an amazing woman and I've never met her except through zoom. You know, she's my virtual assistant. (laughs) And back in the day, I remember we had virtual assistants that were like these digital voices. There was one called, Oh, Firefly or something like that. I can't remember. Something like that. Yeah. 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 And she had a great voice. You know, I was like, (laughs) 
I'll take that. Sure. What the heck was her name? I don't remember. But anyway, yeah. Nowadays, it's actual people and, and they can do anything. I mean, the only thing I have an issue with is my legal pads. I can't seem to get anybody to go through my legal pads and figure out what notes it is. I just stick them in the mail. <laughs> But it's amazing. It's amazing what we can do nowadays. And and you don't need to have, you know, a physical building to be able to touch a multitude of lives across the world. So it was interesting when you were talking about that, because I have recently been taking a class and they talk about name your five, your inner circle, your five closest friends. And I named them and two of the people on my list I've never met in person because like you, I met them during the pandemic. We, you know, because when they defined it, they, because at first I was like, you know, right now I don't have any close friends. (laughs) I'm in Long Beach and I don't know anybody yet. And, and uh, they said, you know, the people that you text every day, the people that you follow you know, the ones that not that you follow on Facebook, the ones you actually check in with to see what they're doing on Facebook. And so I listed five people. And first of all, I live around none of them because of where I have chosen to live now. But two of them I have yet to. Oh, that's not true. One I met at um, at the TTT 2020 down in San Diego where I met you. But yeah, so, you know. Everything, I think, with the pandemic has shifted to put a different look at the pandemic in itself. You talk about we are global. If anything proved to us that we're all connected and we're all global, it is a pandemic where it can start one place and end up worldwide. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we touch everything, everywhere, all the time as a person, whether you're, you know, saying something to someone that is kind or whether you're saying something to someone that is unkind and whether it is verbally or whether it is through Facebook or you know, whatever system, social media that you might use, it is, we do, we, we touch each other in all kinds of different ways. And just like you were talking about the young man that you had said something about him wetting his pants in third grade, we still are doing that here, you know, no matter where we are and how we do it, we really have to pay attention just because we're hidden behind a computer doesn't mean that we aren't in front of people, that they're not listening, you know, that they're not hearing the unkindness <laughs> of our words. So, you know, words have such power. We really have to be gentle in how we share some things sometimes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrainc.com.
Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar?